if the occult is satanic. And the people that are using that are not Christians. Now, there are Christians with supernatural powers, but it comes from the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, the, re the reason I ask is because um, April 13, 1972, when I became a Christian, I had uh, just become a Christian and I had enrolled in civil mind control. And after I graduated, they tested me and I had, you know, obviously I had psychic powers. And No, they <clears throat> tested you, and you may have had gifts from the Holy Spirit, which they called psychic powers. Well, what I'm saying is, is that I did things that I did uh, with civil mind control using their little formula, and I did some phenomenal things. And it was not of the Holy Spirit. No, fine. Then there, there were satanic manifestations used as a means of misleading you. Okay. But see, I had become a Christian, and then if, a month later I had graduated from this place because I had, you know, I was naive at that time. And uh, after I had uh, used these psychic powers of mine to do things, uh, you know, I won't go into them, but they were indeed not of the Holy Spirit. They were of the occult. Even though I was a Christian. It's possible. Okay. Uh, but what happened is they started getting into uh, astrology and um, reincarnation. It was, leading I, you, it was leading you into darkness. Right. And as soon as it got into that, I got rid of the whole thing altogether. Praise I, God. I knew better than... Just you know, renounce all that garbage in the name of the Lord Jesus and be about your business of the Lord. Right. Thank you very much. Right. Yes. How do, how do we know positively that the Bible is the inerrant Word of God? There's a number of ways of learning. Uh, first of all, uh, the um, writers of the New Testament confirm the Old Testament writers. Some of the writers in the Old Testament uh, are confirmatory of New Testament events which happened prophetically 500 years before the event namely the prophecies of Jesus Christ recorded in Daniel chapter 9. So prophecy tells us that the Bible is the Word of God. Its historical and archaeological accuracy tells us, as no other book can, that God has communicated to us. The Lord Jesus himself gave testimony. And if you put his words to the test, then you existentially experience Jesus Christ in accord with the Bible. So you have a confirmation in your own experience as well as the Word of God. But there's evidence from history, archaeology, prophecy, and of course the testimony of the writers themselves. Now, some people argue against quoting the Bible because they say, well, you're quoting the Bible to prove the Bible. And that's circular reasoning in logic, and you can't do that. Give them this answer. The Bible is not one book. It is a compilation of books by authors in different times. It is not circular reasoning to quote a person to prove another person as long as they're in a different time period. That destroys their argument. Thank you. Good book to recommend is Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, Volumes 1 and 2. Lots of good evidence there. Yes. Uh, Dr. Martin, my question concerns the positive confession movement. And uh, I wanted to try and get some background on how and when it started in this country. Well, what you call a positive confession is, or the faith teaching, is an extrapolation from early Pentecostal teaching uh, of the latter reign around 1910. And it developed in Pentecostal theology. Each time it developed, of course, it died out because they found out that it didn't work 
eventually you will find out that everything you claim by faith you won't get. And the people who are talking about they can claim whatever they want by faith still wear eyeglasses, still have fillings in their teeth, and still have surgery in hospitals while they are busily telling us that it's lack of faith. Well, then why would they bother doing it? If it's lack of faith on our part, it's surely lack of faith on their part. And if there's lack of faith on their part, and they're the faith teachers, why should we listen to them? Now, I'm not against the so-called faith doctrine, which is that God responds to faith, answers prayer, heals, meets your needs. He does. And I believe you can ask anything from the Lord in faith believing. But I believe also in the sovereignty of God. And that if you ask something that God knows is not good for you, he frequently says no. And thank God he does. Amen. I have a tape on this called The Errors of Positive Confession and some articles in our magazine Forward which discuss the faith teachers and their teachings. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. They are not a cult but they are teaching doctrine which is not classic Christian theology, and I think we should test it by the Scripture and not be misled by it. Okay? Thank you. Yes? I'd like to know the best way to deal with someone that's involved in the I Am movement. That's the Church Universal and Triumphant of Elizabeth Clare Prophet, and the mighty I Am movement teaches that we are already deity and that we are part of the Christ consciousness and therefore we don't need salvation because we're already saved. I think the best thing to do with that is to say that the word I am is derived from Exodus 3 and is uniquely the name of God. The only person that ever possessed the name of God for himself was the Lord Jesus. So if you claim it for yourself, you are blaspheming God. Jesus Christ is the I am incarnate, John 8:58, and nobody else. Elizabeth Clare Prophet and the mighty I Am movement denies the deity of Christ, denies the Trinity, and denies his blood sacrifice for our sins. You know you are dealing with a non-Christian cult. Try and get them into the Bible, show them the I Am texts in the Bible, and then show them the gospel came from Jesus Christ, the great I Am, and show them why. I have a chapter on it in my book, The New Cults, which will help you. Thanks. Yes. Yes, Dr. Martin, uh, can you give any information on the community, Bible, chapel, and Bible training centers pastored by uh, Donald Barnett out of Seattle, Washington? Yes, it's a variation on the oneness doctrine. Uh, he does not believe that you have to speak in tongues in order to be saved, but he does believe that you must be baptized in the name of Jesus and by immersion, and he denies the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, we're doing a research project on the community chapel and its teachings, and we'll have a fact sheet on them out in 1986. Very definitely part of the oneness movement. At this time, then, uh, would you consider them a cult? I would consider any group that denied the doctrine of the Trinity cultic, without hesitation. Because if you deny the doctrine of the Trinity, you're denying the true nature of God. And therefore, how could you possibly be considered... Uh, as a Christian. Thank you very much. Right. Yes. Um, Dr. Martin, would you consider the Masons and an offshoot like the Eastern Star or someone like that as a cult? Well, the church has always, Christian church has always, Protestant, Orthodox, and Catholic, considered Masonry to be an occultic group and a cultic organization. And the reason why is because 
The Masons believe that if you trust in Zoroaster, Confucius, Buddha, Mohammed, Moses, or Jesus Christ, you are equally acceptable in the Brotherhood and you are saved by your own individual faith. They deny Christ as the unique Savior of the world. They deny the Trinity. They deny Jesus' blood as the only means of redemption and his bodily resurrection from the dead. They have always been classified a cult because they contradict the Lord Jesus. Jesus said, Do not swear any oaths at all, Matthew chapter 5, and masonry is nothing but one long oath-swearing proposition. The Bible forbids this, and when you join the masons, you must walk to a door blindfolded. Must knock on the door and say, I am brother, whatever your name is, in darkness, seeking the light. They open the door, take off the blindfold, and say, Enter, brother. You are going to get the light of masonry. Now, how as a Christian do you go to anybody and say, I am in darkness, when Jesus said, You are the light of the world. He that believeth in me shall not walk in darkness. You're a hypocrite. You claim you're a Christian, you're a hypocrite. You're walking up to that door and saying they're going to give you light when Jesus Christ said you are the light. You're going to go in there and swear oaths to have your tongue torn out and your guts torn out and all kinds of things happen to you if you betray them. And Jesus Christ said, don't you dare do that. Let your yes be yes and your no be no because all else comes from the wicked one. That's Jesus. If you're going to accept what Jesus said and believe Christ's teachings, you cannot find them compatible with masonry. And you have no business being in there. And some people say, well, I'm a Christian and I'm a mason. You are an uninformed Christian. If you are an informed Christian, or if you are a really sincerely practicing Christian, you would avoid masonry like the plague. It's a cult. I've said that many times on television, on radio, and have lots of documentation to back it up, including their sacred books, their oaths, and all of their temple practices, so I know exactly what they're doing. And it's evil. Thank okay. you very much. Is that clear enough? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> you notice how tactful I am in these matters. The scripture says, Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. I will never have that problem. Hi. Um, I'm glad the guy before me mentioned the oneness movement. I uh, talked to a pastor of a United Pentecostal Church here in Albuquerque, and uh, he said some things about the Trinity that really puzzled me. Um, not only did he say that the word Trinity is not mentioned in the Bible, but he said that the word Elohim, the plural form of God that's used in Genesis, also is used to refer to a prophecy of the Messiah, Jesus, in Zechariah. And then he also told me that... Um, that means nothing, incidentally. Oh, okay. Why is that? Just to let you know, it means nothing. Because no, no Christian bases his doctrine, his doctrine of the Trinity on the Hebrew plural Elohim. Nobody. Hmm, okay. <laughs> That's the first step. Uh, and then he went on to say that, um, that the Trinity, that they believe that the Lord rose from the dead physically, and that he also... Uh, is God, but they don't believe in the Trinity, and that, that, that makes them not a cult. Well, they're a cult for this reason. You ready? They deny the personality of God the Father. They deny the personality of God the Holy Spirit. 
and they teach that the Father and the Holy Spirit are only names for Jesus. There's only one person and the one person is Jesus. Now if you want to really upset them, take them to Proverbs 30 verse 4. What is the name of him that stretched out the heavens, that bound the wind in his fist? Tell me his name if you can, and what is the name of his son? They say his name is Jesus. Keep reading the passage. And what is the name of his son? You've got to say Jesus again. One of the Nonsense. Things, one of the things they brought up is that any re reference to the son in the Old Testament is always prophetic. Is that, is that true? Or? No, it's not true because the son talks to the father before the son comes into the world as a man. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 10. He clearly tells you in Hebrews chapter 1 that the Son and the Father are having a conversation. When he brings the first begotten into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. To the Son, he says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. The Father talks to the Son before Jesus becomes man. Okay. That ends the argument that uh, Jesus is only prophetically mentioned in the Old Testament. Thank you very much. Right. First of all, I want to say, Dr. Martin, that I really love you and appreciate everything you do and that you take a stand on the Word the way you do. Right after I got saved, uh, the first book I read besides the Bible was Kingdom of the Cults, and it just really uh, made First Peter 3.15 just come alive in my heart. Praise the Lord. Glad uh, to help you. Oh, yeah. What's yeah. your question? My question is this. I have not been able to find a whole lot on the false doctrine of the Manifested Sons movement. Everywhere I've looked, I can't, just, I can't find anything, and I've got some friends back in the East and in the Midwest that are getting involved in it. It's uh, kind of disturbing. Right to our research department, to the attention of um, uh, Elliot Miller, and ask him about it. You have some, uh, He's an authority on the occult, and they've got a whole file on the Manifest Sons of God. How about the local church? Local church is not a non-Christian cult. The local church people are believers. Some of their doctrine is not in accordance with Scripture, and they have errors in their doctrine where the Trinity is concerned and the church. But that does not rule them out of the body of Christ, and it's wrong to call them a cult. Do they I, think, I think they're divisive. Mm -hmm. I think when they teach that they are the only church in Albuquerque, when the church is in session, they are the church in Albuquerque, is nonsense. Uh, and there's other things they teach which are not correct. But they are not a cult, and many of them are, I would say the ones I have met are Christians, including Witness Lee, but they will divide your fellowship. They will divide your church, and they will draw off disciples after themselves. They build their churches by taking a great deal of the people out of already existing Christian churches. I think we should avoid that. On their doctrine of the Trinity, though, is it... Uh the same, let's say, as uh, would you base it as heresy in the same mode that... Uh, it's not the same as the oneness people. Mm -hmm. Witness Lee teaches that the Father became the Son. Mm -hmm. The Son became the Spirit. The Spirit becomes the Church. Mm -hmm. There were three in one, now there's four in one. That's Witness Lee. So that's not biblical theology. Mm -hmm. But you can be ignorant of the Trinity, not understand it, and still be a believer, just so long as you don't deny it. Because a lot of people don't understand, but they believe. But to say you understand and to reject, that places you in the category of the cults. Thanks. Yes. We're almost out of time, so 
Let's get through this. Dr. Martin, what alarms me uh, quite a bit is the positive confession faith movement, which we call it, because it seems to progress in its heresy. It seems to take a, something good, a group of Christians, and progress them in heresies. Do you see that there is progression towards becoming a cult and a great heresy that could really um, intermesh with the New Age type movement? I said it the other night, some PC people are teaching doctrinal error. They're teaching that Jesus died, went to hell, suffered under the devil, rose from the dead, had to be born again, and become the Savior. That is nonsense. That is heretical doctrine. It is not Christian theology. Kenneth Copeland is teaching dogs beget dogs and cats beget cats and God begets gods and you are all little gods. That's absolute heresy. That's Mormonism. That's not Christian theology. So I don't care whether it's Kenneth Hagin or Kenneth Copeland. I don't care who their names are or what kind of ministries they've got. The scripture says test all things hold fast to what is good. Test them by scripture. Chew the meat and throw the bones away. Thank you. Right. Yes. Dr. Dr. Martin, do you know anything about the Illuminati conspiracy? Oh, sure. The Illuminati's been around for a long time, far back as the founding of our country and in Europe before that. They're a political conspiracy which is satanic, and uh, they're not as big and as powerful as some people think they are, but they're around and they are dangerous. How would that tie in with globalism or something like that? It's part of the New Age movement, no doubt about that. But trying to trace them is very difficult because they're not going to tell you who they are. That's what's difficult. can't put your finger on the Illuminati. Can you give me a name like Rockefeller or someone like that? Or? Oh, Rockefeller is no more Illuminati than you are. Rockefeller doesn't have enough theological brains to be Illuminati. He's a banker. He's not a theologian. I wouldn't worry about David Rockefeller. Okay? Yes. Dr. Martin, your uh, opinion, please, on two questions. Uh, one is a personage well-known around New Mexico, Dr. Gilbert Holloway. The other is a series of subliminal tapes that are being sold in local bookstores put out by a Michigan group called Potentials Unlimited. I don't know the gentleman whose name you mention. If I can see his theology and his doctrines, I can tell you but I can't go just by his name. As far as the subliminal tapes are concerned, I never believe in subliminal tapes because anybody can plant anything they want in your subconscious mind, and that's dangerous. So I'd have to listen to what they had to say to begin with. And if there were subliminal tapes, I don't think I'd be too interested in listening to them. I'd like to ask them what's on those tapes first. Thank you very much. I'd write to them and ask them to send me a transcript of the tapes. Then you can analyze them. Thank you. I would go on answering your questions. I can't. I have to return to California and deliver lectures Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I am going to be somewhat busy. I do want to take this opportunity to thank you for coming, for your prayers, your support. Now don't get up and run out of here because it's not fair to the other people who have to go to their cars too. <laughs> what I'm going to say is this. Don't get discouraged. Discouragement is what turns off a lot of Christians. Don't get discouraged. For 35 years, I've worked in the kingdom of the cults and the occult. The easiest thing in the world is to get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. God made us farmers. We are supposed to plant the seed and water it. Plant, water, plant, water. Now he that plants and he that waters is nothing. But God who gives the increase is everything. Your farmers plant the seed and water it with prayer.
be the sower. Let the Holy Spirit convince the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. That's not your job. Just give them the word, water it with prayer, and study the scriptures so you can give to every man that asks of you an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us with humility and with reverence. Don't get discouraged. You're not going to see a crop tomorrow morning. Plant the seeds now. God will give you the crop in his own good time. Don't get discouraged. The words of the Apostle Paul. Do not be weary in well-doing. You will reap. You got that? You will reap after you have sown. And to put it in terms that none of us can misunderstand. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Can I translate that for you into a modern version? Here it is. Hang in there, baby. Jesus is coming again. Thank you. appreciate the applause. The applause, however, is really given for the gifts of the Spirit of God, which I'm pleased and privileged to manifest. God says he doesn't share his glory with anybody else, so I will accept the applause for the one that gave me the gifts, and praise the Lord for that. Thank you.